Hello and welcome. We're going to conclude our journey through the book of Malachi today, this series called I Am a Great King, as we have been digging into and hearing how God confronts his people um, for their lack of honor towards him in their actions and in their attitudes. And we're going to be reading the concluding portions, and these portions really tie together many of the themes of what God is talking about in this book Altogether. So we're going to read now from Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 16. These are the very words of God. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. You shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Now, I said a second ago that this talk of these portions of scripture is going to bring together many of the themes that we've already seen in the book. And so I just want to point them out, okay? This portion that we dealt with today begins with God setting up a book of remembrance. Even though he's been confronting people who have been speaking against him and acting against him, he doesn't want the whole thing to be on just the people who need correction. So instead, he, he moves into saying, I know that there are people who do honor me. I know that there are people who fear my name. And I know there are going to be people who aren't now doing it, but who are going to repent. And I am going to remember them. He says, those who fear the Lord spoke to one another. Now, you may remember from previous talks that the speech that God is hearing is really impacting him. Earlier, he was saying, I'm wearied by how you're speaking about me. You're saying that I treat evil like it's good and I'm wearied. And instead, this time, he's not confronting people who are speaking against him. He's going to be looking to people who fear the Lord and then speak together. They're honoring one another. They're honoring the Lord with their speech. They're encouraging one another. They're probably working through the scriptures. So we see this thing about speech. He doesn't just say the Lord is going to write down the names of the people who remember him and fear him. He says he is going to write a book of remembrance of those who got together to speak faith about me in the fear of the Lord because they esteem his name. Remember, this whole book is about confronting people who don't esteem the name of the Lord. And then he says, once more, you shall see a distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not. And this brings up the theme from the very beginning of the book where he's saying, I have loved you and I chose you 
and I showed that I loved you and I chose you by being faithful to you. Even though you stumbled, I raised you up. And he compared Jacob to Esau, who stumbled in unbelief and won't rise again. So we see this theme again. At the beginning, he's saying, I've been faithful to you. I chose you. And again, he's going to say, you are going to notice a chosen people here, a people who serve me, and I will make a distinction between them and people who do not. And then he's saying that there is going to become the coming the day of the Lord for judgment. And we dealt with this a few talks ago. People are saying, God doesn't judge. Where's the God of justice? He lets the evil get away with it. Whatever they want to, he's saying, no, let's revisit that theme. There is going to be a day of justice. And I'm going to punish everyone who is in unbelief against me. And the people who are faithful to me, the people who learn to honor me, the people who repent of their dishonor and turn to honor, they are going to run and jump like calves jumping out of the stall. They're going to tread down the ashes of the leftovers of the people who uh, refuse to come to me in faith and honor. And so he's picked up that theme as well. And then he says, remember the law of my servant Moses. That picks up the theme of when he was rebuking the, the Levites before for their partial instruction and their instruction that actually led people into stumbling instead of lead, leading people into faith. He's picking up that theme again. And then he ends with this great promise that is a promise really that is fulfilled by John the Baptist about the Elijah coming to turn hearts. And you may remember in the very first talk where God, where we did things a little bit out of order, but it was the second half of chapter one, where God is saying, I'm a great king and I'm a great father. Where's my honor? He's saying that this Elijah that is to come is going to be on mission to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to the father. And what is going on here is that God is revealing again that in his world, everything's connected. That it is very difficult, if not impossible, I'm going to say very difficult, but probably impossible, for people to dishonor their earthly fathers and then turn around and honor their heavenly father. That just doesn't happen. And it's very, very, very difficult for fathers to have hard hearts towards their children and yet still worship the father who has a compassionate heart towards his children. It just doesn't work like that. We're God's image bearers. We act like him, are called to act like him. And when we're in broken relationship with God, we have broken relationships with one another. And when we are in broken relationships with one another, it impacts severely our walk with God. And so here is this promise that God is going to send Elijah again on a mission. And this mission is the restoration of relationship, honor-filled relationship between fathers and children. One of the things that's been really striking me is that uh, these, this prophecy really is picked up as fulfilled by John the Baptist in the New Testament. And what it's really helped me to see is how the ministry of Jesus is meant to be a ministry that restores through his death and resurrection relationship with the Heavenly Father. That's what it's about. In a major way, if not the core way, Jesus came to restore a relationship between lost children and the Heavenly Father. 
and to teach those children how to honor their father. He's bringing it back together. And so this prophecy about Elijah and fulfilled by John the Baptist as the forerunner of Jesus, but completed by Jesus about turning hearts together, this is a gospel promise. Not looking so much as at the forgiveness of sins, but as the result of what happens as Jesus tears down the sin barrier that keeps us from the Lord. There's a restoration between us as God's children and him as our father and a horizontal restoration where out of the overflow of grace that we received from our heavenly father, we are meant to then turn to our families and be children who have hearts turned towards their fathers and mothers, but particularly the fathers. It's usually very, it's usually a lot easier to have a good relationship with your mother than it is with your father. I don't know why that is. Usually people love their mothers and are about dad's I don't know why it is. I bet the Bible teaches the answer. But there's a gospel promise of restored human relationships through what Jesus would do. That's what Malachi is looking forward to at the end of his book. So how do I wrap it up and pull this all together? Honor matters. And when we're not honoring the Lord, he notices And he comes to us and says, you can do better. You can honor me. And as you honor me, you become the true people you were meant to be. And I will pour out my blessing on you. And I come into joy. It is not a joyful thing, God is saying, to be dishonored by my people. And I want them to honor me and give me glory. So I can enjoy you and you can enjoy me. Instead of something else. And as we do this, it impacts our earthly relationships. As we, and this can only happen through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit he sent upon us on Pentecost and has been working in the world ever since then, giving new birth to the children of God, giving the adoption, the spirit of adoption coming into our hearts and crying out, Abba, Father. And as our relationships are made new, we're made new creations, the children of God, it impacts our human relationships. This is the vision that Malachi saw and spoke for our good through the Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed.